Lays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. To the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoopball Hawks, we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm yours, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on March 11th, Friday, ahead of tonight's contest here at home versus the Los Angeles Clippers. And if you are tuning into this podcast, hoping the Hawks to go one and one at least. Through the first two games this week versus the Pistons and the Bucks, you and I are both sadly mistaken. Unfortunately, the Hawks fall in overtime to the Pistons on Monday night and then get cheated out on some calls. I'm going to call it what it is. Uh, if it wasn't for some calls here and there down the stretch in the Bucks game uh, from the officiating, we had a chance. We had a chance and... It just seemed like the referees just did not want us to win that game. But we can't fully put it on them. There's always things that the team can do better to overcome the obstacles in front of them. And they just did not do that in either game. And now, early in the week when we did the last episode, the Hawks had a chance to win and get to 500 for the first time since December 16th. And then... Move up to the eighth spot. Now, the Hawks are sitting still at 10, where they started before. Virtually tied with the Hornets, who have the tiebreakers. So, we're at 10. They're at 9. We're two games back from Brooklyn, who's playing a little bit better now. Um, on a two-game winning streak now for the Nets. So, we are two games behind the eighth spot and four games behind the seven. It's looking more and more likely that, well, depending on what Brooklyn does, if Brooklyn can make a run and jump Toronto, then we're going to be chasing Toronto for eight. But as of right now, it looks like nine or ten is probably where the Hawks are going to be, which is rather disappointing in we all didn't want to play in situation. We wanted to be comfortably in the playoffs, top six seed going into this year. That's the expectations we had. And... We talked about it in various episodes recently. It's just about the lack of urgency throughout the year. Trey Young's comments that continue to bite him in the butt about playoff games, the intensity, and then just in comparison to regular season games. And the more I watch this team, the more I think about the offseason because there are some things that need to occur this offseason for the Hawks to get back right into the playoff picture and prove that last year wasn't a fluke. And we're going to, some of these stuff I'm going to table into the offseason until we get there to see, hey, these are the things I think we need to do. But some things can be visibly evident as far as when you watch them play right now of things that need to change. 
this offseason. And as much as I want to see this team get into the playoffs, make some noise, Trey Young, work his magic, I think it's just too tall of a task right now with how they're playing and some of the things that are occurring with this team. And we're going to talk about those items and then obviously the matchup tonight versus the Clippers, another tough opponent who have they're 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 I mean seven and three in the last ten games for the Clippers right now. They are in the eighth spot in the West with a comfortable lead in front of the Lakers. So they're a playoff team. So we're gonna go against another playoff team. We're gonna see how we do at home. See if we can right the ship and end this week two and two. Which I mean consolation prize, I guess, yeah, but we won it three and one and the Hawks failed on Monday. So we're gonna talk about that. Look into the offseason and the Clippers matchup tonight after this plug. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%. Just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them. But if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies. Sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. That Pistons game really just floored me. It, it should have floored every Hawk fan. when, And I was getting off of work. When I was finally able to look at what was going on in the game and saw that we were in a tightly contested battle with the Detroit Pistons, I thought, I hate being right. I called it. If you listen to the last episode, I said this was a trap game. Detroit has been playing much better basketball as of late. In the last 10 games, the Pistons are 6-4 and four in the last 10 games. And I would... They're easily over 500 since the All-Star break. They're playing with a lot of confidence, and they played with a level of toughness that we just couldn't match as a team. We just couldn't match it. Because when you look at the stats, when you look at the numbers, I mean, you can point to Trey Young. Trey Young's poor shooting night, you can put that on his shoulders. Them losing against the Pistons, you can put on Trey Young. Because Bokey got it to going down the stretch, 22 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds for him. DeAndre Hunter had 15 points. That's all, I mean, that's never bad output when you get between 13 and 18 points from DeAndre Hunter. 
That is a good night. John Collins, 17 and 11. Capella, nine points, 12 rebounds. Herter was out. Gallo gives you 14 off the bench. Lou Will gives you 13 off the bench. Okongu didn't shoot that much, but I mean, Okongu's Okongu. DeLon Wright added four points. They didn't shoot great from the three point line, which is something that has been a recurring theme. When the three ball is falling because they don't have many people who can just, who attempt to just put their head down, get to the basket, and get to the free throw line. They have to rely on jump shots and three-pointers, and when the three-pointers are not falling, we're going to lose the game. And you can point to three-point shooting in this game, but to me, it comes down to Trey Young struggling from the field that game, and as a team, we're not as physically tough as we were as last year. We're not. That is evident. I mean, whoever is on the perimeter for the other team, they you might as well just chuck up that they're going to have a good game. Kate Cunningham had a really good game against us. 28 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds. We should have attacked him more because he had the 5 fouls, but we just didn't. Jeremy Grant had a good game, 23 points. Sadiq Bey, who we always have to watch out for, he's a great shooter. He only had nine points, so you're like, okay, there's there's some wiggle room there. But then you let Killian Hayes have 13 points off the bench. And then Marvin Bagley just was in his bag with 19 points and 10 rebounds off the bench for the Pistons. They were just a tougher team. I mean, my, my friend at Hawks beat E-Dub, he mentioned it as well when he tweeted it. We lost to a team... That, as I said on the podcast before, has nothing to lose. And they're playing confident basketball right now. We're not playing confident basketball right now. We're not playing with a level of toughness. Well, we didn't in that game. We we showed some toughness in that Bucks game. And I'm going to talk about that here shortly. But between Trey Young's play, the just lack of toughness, in the three-point shooting, it was a recipe for us to be upset by a team that we should have beaten. That was a must-win. We had to win that game. Any team sub-500, non-playoff team, we have to win down the stretch. We can't afford these games. We can't. As I said, Hawks really need to go 3-1 and one this week. We've already dropped two contests with two more to go. So now we're at best trying to get 2-2. Two and two. And the Clippers, Clippers are no slouches at all. That's going to be a tough game tonight in the State Farm Arena. And then the Pacers, I mean, you never know what you're going to get from them. Are they going to tank? Are they going to play hard? Who knows? I mean, right now, the Pacers are on a three-game losing streak right now. So, But we can't take that for granted, as you saw from the Pistons game. We have to come in there with a the mentality to win the ball game. We have to be tough. We have to execute. Trey Young has to be Trey Young. We can't afford five of twenty shooting from the floor. We can't. We can't afford that. Yes, the twelve assists to get everybody else going, and everybody else did do their respective things on Monday night. But we live and die by Trey Young. He's the engine that gets our team going in the right direction. And when there's a problem with the engine or it's not running at optimal performance, you're not going to be able to go as far. And I've used that example before. It's applicable again. 
That was a tough loss. Tough loss. That was a disappointing loss. Maybe not the most disappointing loss of the year, but certainly one that, and I said, we have to watch out for the Pistons. They're playing very well. And as much as I love being right, I love being right, guys. I hated being right about that. They proved me right and wrong on Monday night. And then they go into Milwaukee on Wednesday, and you're like, crap, that's a tall task. We, If we would have beat the Bucks, we would have swept them this year, which is it's, it's just crazy to see where we are in the standings. But we almost swept the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. We've won the season series with the Milwaukee Bucks. And to start off the game, it looked like we were kind of complacent with that. But the Hawks fought that game, especially that third quarter. They fought and they made it tough down the stretch. And again, in my humble opinion, the officiating had a lot to do with it. They were treating, and I saw some tweets that said this, they were treating Giannis as if he had bubble wrap around him. That, oh, he's fragile. We can't hurt him. We can't touch him. There were so many charges that should have been called on Giannis. So many just fouls that just the the fouls, even though when you look at the stats, because some people are going to go back to the stats. I mean, the people who are just literally statisticians and be like, whoa, I mean, we only had one more foul than the books, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes, and I've seen this in the NBA from watching it, the fouls may be even, but the impact and the timing of the fouls are not even. And we were on the receiving end of that on Wednesday night. And it happens every NBA game. If officiating is heavily favored on one side, you can expect the next quarter they're going to do some makeup calls to try to even things out. So the optics look better as far as, oh, we weren't just calling a crazy amount of fouls on this team. They, they're they even. It is not even. It's not apples to apples in this case. I mean, in... The fouls just allowed for Giannis to be honest. He had 43 points. Chris Middleton with 23 points. Bobby Portis was the X factor for them with 23, knocking down four three-pointers and grabbing 15 rebounds. Portis was the X factor. Drew Holiday struggled that game. I mean, hit some hit some shots down the stretch. But he struggled from the field but did add Eight assists, five rebounds, and then Grayson Allen with 11 points. All their starters scored in double digits. But in my opinion, again, the X factor was Bobby Portis. His threes, the few more threes that he hit, were the difference in the game outside of the officiating, in my opinion. I mean, the Hawks continued to struggle from the three-point line. They shot... just under 29% again from the three-point line. You just, I mean, that, I mean, when you look at the numbers, that and the fouls call were the difference. I mean, points in the paint, you know Milwaukee wants to get into the paint. You know that's what they want to do. And with Giannis and the fouls call, I mean, you just got to just a lot, or lack thereof, fouls call. You know that that's tough sledding. You can't keep him out the paint. That is... 
it is what it is there. But the three-point shooting, officiating, it just all culminated into another Hawks loss. And, I mean, if you want to point fingers again, John Collins had a terrible game. This is the worst game I've seen from John Collins. He didn't make a field goal. He was 0 for 9 from the field, shot way too many three-pointers. They relegate him to catch and shoot. And that's going to segue into a conversation that I'm going to talk about here shortly. But two points, five rebounds in 19 minutes. You can't have that from John Collins. Did he have some discomfort? Who knows? But he did not play well. You get 17 from DeAndre Hunter. That's a win. Capella with 11 points, nine rebounds. Trey Young, great bounce back game. Shot better from the field, eight of 15 from the floor. Three of nine from three, but 27 points, 11 assists. Herter came back from a shoulder injury. 16 points from him. He had a good game. Gallo with 14 off the bench. Okongo with 13 off the bench. Lou Will added six. Poor games from Collins and Bogey. You can you can chuck that as, you know, you get you get more from Bogey. Nine points. That's uncharacteristic. He was out of rhythm on Wednesday night. One of eight from three, four of 13 from the floor. Yeah, Bogey could have been better. But John Collins going 0 for 9 from the floor, it's just inexcusable. It's just inexcusable. But as much as you want to blame him, it's not fully on him. It's not fully on him. Again, officiating two players, giving you more because... The Hawks had more players in double digits than the Bucks. If you're looking at points, the Hawks bench did outperform the Bucks bench. But in the end, it wasn't enough. And it goes to some of the bigger questions. I've said this probably since I started covering this team. And it is more evident than ever now just watching these this string of Hawks games this year. There are some things that they are missing. Again, we still don't have a perimeter defender. That's something that we need to address in the offseason. Someone that can play alongside Trey Young and guard the best perimeter player in the other team and bring that level of toughness to the backcourt. Bring that level of toughness to the backcourt. We, we have people who are tough-minded, and they're competitors. Bogey and Trey Young are competitors. Like when you when the when, when the chips are falling, they need a big basket. They need to do something. They're going to go try to do it. And I'm not taking that away from them. But physically, someone who can defend, you know, maybe not not saying strike the fear of God in someone, but just be a high level defender to get up in the best perimeter player on the other team. We don't have that. We don't. That's a personnel thing. We thought it was going to be Cam Reddish. He couldn't be on the floor consistent enough. DeAndre Hunter is more of a wing player. I mean, he's getting back in the rhythm, getting back in the flow. He's becoming himself again, and I'm glad to see that. He is trending in the right direction. Herter, even though he's gotten better defensively, he, I think he's a really good off-ball defender. And he works hard on ball, but we need someone else in that spot. That is evident. 
I've been noticing this as well. In the fast break opportunities, sometimes when we force turnovers, we don't capitalize on the fast break unless it's a really well-executed fast break. The other team doesn't get as many numbers back. We can take advantage of it and capitalize. But if you think about it, in that wing, you know, two-guard position, we don't have someone that's going to just, you know, force the issue in the fast break and, you know, get a high percentage dunk in transition to one, spark the team, and two, give them a higher opportunity to executing on a fast break. A lot of times they get back in fast break and we have undersized players in the backcourt that are worried about getting their shot blocked. They're going to need some more numbers. They're going to need a trailer to kick it back to and execute. Those Another player like that would be very beneficial for this team. Another thing that I'm seeing, and we've been seeing it all along, when the pick and roll between Trey Young and whichever big that they're running it through, Okongu, Collins, Capella is not working, we continue to not have any off-ball movement outside of that primary action. And I think that this is on Travis Schlank right here. A lot of people want to put this on Naaman Mellon. I'm going to put this on Travis Schlank. I've been saying this, that we need somebody as an offensive assistant coach whose primary responsibility is to draw plays up for players outside of the pick and roll action or just create sets, offensive plays to get players into their spots where they're comfortable so they can hit a high percentage shot because that's their spot. Running some action to get DeAndre Hunter open in the mid-range, to get Kevin Herter open in the mid-range, run some sets for John Collins. Because what's happening is that the pick and roll action, when nothing else is going on, it's basically delegating people to be catch and shoot players. And this goes back to John Collins on five for three. Again, that's inexcusable, but we're forcing him to be catch and shoot and taking him away from what he's good at. Getting in the block, finishing around the rim, you know, running some action, letting him be the free runner as far as put back dunks and getting rebounds. We're not seeing that as much from him. And that is due to offensive scheme. And that is, I mean, Nabin Millen could try to run up some sets that are better for them to execute and to accentuate what other players are good at outside of Trey Young. But I think we need an offensive-minded assistant coach who that's their primary job. And I think that's going to change things for the Hawks going forward to maybe create some sets where you can get Trey Young some open catch and shoot opportunities off ball when Bogey has the ball or when Herter has the ball, something different. We don't have that. And when Herter and Hunter are hot, you want them to keep feeding them the ball, but they keep feeding them the ball out of their spots, and then they have to work to get to their spots, which makes it harder. And obviously the defense can sit in and be like, okay, I know where they're trying to get to, and then they play good defense in a tough, and it's a tough contested shot. Not a lot of off-ball screens to get those players open. It's a lot of spread-out offense that you got to work to get to your spot and put a shot up. It's putting more stress on these players. Even though we're an efficient offense, it's putting more stress than needed instead of having plays and sets created 
to make it easier for us to execute offensively. So that is something that I challenge Travis Schlenk and management to look at this offseason and finally address because I think that is going to make things easier in the offensive end. When players are getting hot, you get them in, get them the ball in their spots, let them continue to feed the hot hand, and until they do something about them, they're going to continue to, you know, force the issue, and then boom, that's when you switch back to the pick and roll. That's what opens up opportunities for Trey Young and John Collins and others, bogey, uh, to create their shot because they're focusing on the hot hands. That is something that needs to happen. So perimeter defender, another explosive player in the backcourt, another maybe explosive wing next to DeAndre Hunter, depending on who was available this offseason, an offensive assistant coach. Those are the glaring things that I'm seeing right now that needs to be addressed this offseason. It's too late to do it now. It's too late. And again, this is an evaluation year. This was to look at the pieces we have on our team, see what's out there in the market, and make the necessary changes to propel ourselves forward to being a championship contender in the next three, four seasons coming up. Because who knows what happens with Brooklyn. Philadelphia, I mean, right now, I think if Harden is on that team that he committed there long-term, the Bucks, I mean, they're going to be around. But the Hawks have an opportunity, even with Cleveland's, the Torontos, the Hornets, to be around for the next four years, as long as Trey Young is signed to our team. But we have to help the team outside of Trey Young offensively get other players their opportunities and offensive sets and plays to make this offense even more efficient and more potent. And we're going to have to have some explosive backcourt slash frontcourt players on the wing position or the two-guard position that can defend and can go down and, you know, get a dunk, energize a team, then carry their own weight next to Trey Young. We need that. Because right now, it's like when Trey Young is going and you have two or three other players. If you have two other players outside of Trey Young going, we're going to lose. If you can get four other players going. Usually when you have five players in double digits for the Hawks, that bodes well. But then it comes down to defensive stops, which we can't keep anybody out the paint right now. We can't. And Capella, as great as he was last year, he's not the same player this year. That's why I continue to put him on a trading block this offseason when we're able to trade him. If we're not going to get an offensive-minded assistant coach that can draw up some sets to really help John Collins, we might need to ship out John Collins too. I mean, these are questions that have to be answered this offseason, and we can't do it now. Right now, we got to do with what we can. We have to try to make the best of this. We have 18, 16, 17, 18 games left. We're going to have to try to do as best as we can to get into the play and see what happens. And from there, if we get into the playoffs, that's great. If not, it's time to really have a hard look, evaluate this roster, and make the right moves personnel-wise, coaching-wise, scheme-wise to get the most out of this roster. I think that 
as much as we want to blame Nate McMillan, and he has blame in this as well. Maybe with rotations, trying to force issue with offensive sets. I will say I love the technical that he got at the end of the game Wednesday night because it showed some fire, it showed some fight, and that's something that a team can look to. It's like, okay, this guy is in here with us. He's kind of been, he's kind of relegated to Lloyd Pierce as far as taking a step back, putting it on the players. Even though a lot of the response, a lot of the blame should be on the players. A lot of the blame should be on the players right now because it's the same players from last year, virtually ten players back, and they're kind of regressing. I feel like that's a mentality thing, work ethic, whatever. Shorten off season. There's a lot of there's a lot of excuses, but you can put it a lot on the players. But it was good to see that Nate McMillan's in the fight with them, but he can do better drawing up offensive sets, better offensive sets. Or if there's an assistant that can do that on this roster, please let him get a little bit more responsibility and see what he can do as far as helping to keep other players outside of Trey Young in rhythm or keeping other players outside of the initial pick and roll involved in the offense, in that offensive possession. But... It's too late to change any of that right now. We have to do with what we got. And now we're staring down a daunting task of trying to get back to 500 this week and then move on to next week, take it week to week, leading up to the end of the season when we have a tough Clippers matchup tonight. Who, obviously, they lost to the Knicks when I recorded you know, the episode earlier this week. But we're going to have to... I mean, we play a lot better at home. We do. We're playing a lot better at home now. But we have to bring it. We have to bring it tonight. Because if, if we drop a contest to the Clippers tonight, which is very possible. It's very possible right now. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, us losing is bringing Washington back into the mix. And they damn sure don't deserve to be in the playing game. They don't. We do. We should be better than the playing game, but I digress. We're going to have to bring it tonight. Three ball, toughness, fight. I mean, they fought that Bucks game. So that toughness and that fight that I questioned in the Pistons game, we saw it in the Bucks game. We were just overmatched between, you know, personnel on the other team and officiating. We were, we were overmatched. And then we had some players, you know, Lay an egg. This is the game where you got to show a sense of urgency on your home court, protect home court. You got to come out and respond tonight versus the Clippers. We have to play as if there's no tomorrow. That Pistons game looked like, you know what, we fought, we tried to, you know, win the game, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, that's what it was. Just that. Bucks, they fought, they fought, they fought. They got it close. Four or five point lead for the Bucks. We're knocking at the door. And then Giannis officiating. You, you remember the game. You remember the game. They don't have a guy on that other team tonight for the Clippers. They don't have that guy. But they have a team. And they're a well-coached team under Tyron Lue. So it's going to take all of us to match and exceed the energy to fight and the effort from the Clippers. Because that's a team that's going to fight. We're going to have to beat that in order to win tonight's game. I'm not going to make any predictions because, I mean, if I say, uh, I mean, if it proves that I'm right, 
hey, we're going to win. <laughs> I would love to be right. Let's go out there and win the game. But we don't know what we're going to get from the Hawks game to game. And that's what's frustrating as fans, spectators, probably playing on the team, management, coaching. You don't know what you're going to get night in and night out from this team. So I pray that after losing the last two games, the fight they showed against Brooklyn, no, sorry, the Bucks, and that frustration, they can take that out on a Clippers team that they should have beaten a couple months ago in L.A. And you get a dub. And then you go and take on the Pacers at home Sunday and you take care of business. And then next thing you know, you strung two more games together. And then, hey, you're feeling a little bit better about yourselves. You're feeling a little bit better. Because after you take on the Pacers, you welcome in the Trailblazers Monday night, second night of a back-to-back. You travel on the road to take on the Hornets. And then you got the Grizzlies next Friday, which is certainly going to be a tough matchup. When you're looking out a stretch, there's some winnable games. I mean, they do got to take on the Warriors and the Cavaliers, the Grizzlies, as I mentioned. But there's a lot of teams that are not playoff teams that we should beat. The Pacers on Sunday, the Trailblazers, get revenge against them uh, from obviously Trey Young having that huge 58, 59 point outburst this year. Forgot the number. I've talked my head, but it was a lot of points from Trey Young. <laughs> but the Pacers, the Trailblazers, the Hornets, the Pelicans, the Knicks, the Pistons again to get revenge. We got to go back up to Detroit. The Pacers again, the Thunder. And then the five games in April. I mean, it's going to be it's some tough games in April. They got to take on the Nets at home, the Raptors on the road, the Wizards again, Heat on the road, and the Rockets. But there's a lot of winnable games down the stretch. For the Hawks, but we don't know what we're going to get from the Hawks night in, night out. So I pray that we're going to get something good tonight and we can ride that momentum into Sunday night and then Monday night. And the next thing you know, it's a three game winning streak for the Hawks. And now we're feeling a little bit better. We're feeling a little bit more confident. And we're going to see, hey, maybe we can make some noise. Maybe we can make the most out of this year, get all that we can before moving on and addressing the things we need to address this offseason as a franchise. So we'll see what we're going to do tonight. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it and tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. You know the drill. Share with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans. It does not matter. Put them on to my show. And then put them on our Twitter. Follow us at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks. And then put them on to my Twitter. At Brad Jarrett 67. That is Brad J A R R E T T 67. Don't be shy. Hit your boy up on Twitter. Ask questions. I like having discussions. I like having debates about what the team needs to do, what I'm seeing, because you can always learn from someone else's perspective. So, with that, hope you guys have a wonderful Friday. Let's go, Hawks. Let's turn it around tonight and see if we can. Hopefully by the next episode, we're stringing a couple together, some wins, and feeling a lot better about the state of our franchise for this season.